So the changeling. I loved it. You love everything now. I no, changeling was a fucking awesome episode. I like it. It's great. This is probably one of my favorites. Okay. Yeah. I, I I'm surprised you like it this much. I think it's okay. Why, why do you like it so much? Because I think Nomad is one of the most interesting villains that the show has had so far. Um, but is Nomad a villain? Well, here's the thing. Both, um, well, well, both this episode and Mirror Mirror, which are the two episodes we watched this week, they are showing kind of what Starfleet is if it's divorced from morality or a higher purpose. Because. Well, we'll start with the Changeling. N- Nomad is originally created to just explore a peaceful mission of, you know, searching out, which is exactly what, you know, the Enterprise is doing. Obviously on a much smaller scale, but that's – they have pretty much the same mission. Um, it's corrupted through this interaction with this other. Now, this other, which is another alien probe – and by the way, I'm really fascinating as to what's what that civilization was, but um, – well, they actually said in the episode that the probe that Nomad found and, and sort of like meshed with yeah. uh, had been designed, I think, to um, sterilize soil samples. Soil samples, yeah. So, and then and then that's when you have, and even the this other is an total innocent carrying out a legitimate mission. Assumedly, these soil samples are being sterilized for the purposes of, you know, of creating life, of getting uh, you know, more plant life, and you know, supporting whatever, you know creatures this uh civilization is and yet even that ideal gets corrupted in nomad it makes the um well actually you know i i I think that's interesting because i don't know that i agree that that's a good thing right because um you know you can make the argument that ecologically sterilizing the life of another planet so that you can terraform your uh plant and bacteria life into it is not necessarily a good thing so yeah, of course, and 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 one could argue that, but then at this point, uh, human humanity's put colonies everywhere in this universe. So therefore, if you're saying that that's a that is either a moral evil or at the very most benign, not a moral good, then humanity is just as guilty. Every uh, race that we've seen pretty much is just as guilty of that. Yeah, and Star Trek definitely has a. Uh, not really much of a relationship with with ecology generally. Yeah. Uh, you know, because ecology had existed in the '60s, but it, it definitely was not um, anywhere near as uh, prevalent as it is nowadays. And even in you know the, the '80s and '90s, it, it wasn't yeah. as prevalent as it is nowadays. So, uh, I think if if ever another Star Trek uh, television series comes into fruition, I think perhaps uh, those sort of ecological issues may become more in the forefront yeah. of that but at the anyway. very least they would do some kind of checking to make sure there was no even just bacterial life or you know that yeah it's a completely dead planet that they're terraforming or whatever they well i think you know it's interesting because of course the the probe that nomad you know joins with um it, you know on its mission to sterilize soil samples like it, it it is interesting to me because you can see it as sort of a um a smaller scale opposite of what uh, humanity is trying to do yeah. in, in this uh, series because, of course, if you look at something like Devil in the Dark, uh, where they are protecting uh, multicellular life to 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 a large degree, and they haven't extrapolated it out to protecting bacteria, viruses, smaller scale life, protozoa, all that stuff. But you can easily see that the the second probe that Nomad came yeah. into. 
and it is definitely name. not it's not the kind of thing that the federation would send out necessarily okay i mean there is so little given about that we don't know any we don't know why it's colonizing in the first place i mean we could even be dealing with the situation as you know their homeworld was about to be destroyed and they needed to or something like that but either way nomad is on this mission where it is essentially destroying everything biological in its path either way that was not the intention of this terraforming probe you know the terraforming probe probably literally was sterilizing soil samples so that you know plants could grow in there it was not intending to kill any you know larger life forms you know i i assume that this you know planet made some kind of may have even made some kind of concessions for okay you know we're sterilizing the soil in this one little area you know, and we're going to terraform this region of this planet, you know, or something like that. But the rest is leaving it untouched. Again, we don't know. It's speculating. But either way, they've taken this directive, this explore and sterilize, and that has been corrupted without morality or a heavier purpose into something that is legitimately evil. And I think that's a very interesting – we've talked a couple times about checks on the Federation in Star Trek, how almost – uh uh, I, I, one of your things was, you know, admirals don't really get any power, and you think that might be kind of intentional after a certain amount of experience and power you're taken out of that arena. So, you know, Starfleet is a mechanism which exists in order to prevent abuses from this, to prevent these ideals from becoming corrupted. I think Nomad is very interesting from that sense. Okay, I, I mean, I can definitely see that. And... It, it it is interesting because of course um you know number 1 the 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 episode starts out with them uh being attacked by by nomad um which is interesting in and of itself just because i'm not sure where nomad got that weaponry um but aside from that uh they do find out that that nomad is you know we haven't explicitly said what nomad is doing and what nomad is doing is uh wiping out all uh, what yeah. do they call it not non-perfect life or something like that yeah or and, organic parasites or biological parasites or something like that is the phrase they use right and they set up this um dichotomy between uh, biological machines and uh artificial machines yeah. or, or mechanical machines i guess you could say um if that's not too redundant and of course they do find out that uh they they find nomad at the beginning of the episode because there was a civilization on this planet yeah. of something like 4 billion people and it was wiped out by nomad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in, in effect, they have uh, a mass murderer on board that has killed more people than I think anyone that they've come in contact with so far, even Khan. Yeah. And they, they didn't create it, but a human created it. Yeah. And so I think what you can really take away from the changeling is, is the idea of unintended consequences. And I kept going back to that in my notes for this episode. Like, yeah. this is definitely an episode about space is mysterious. We don't know what's going to be happen. You know, we don't know what our consequences are going to be to the actions that we decide to take. Well, this is a, this is a, a, a uh, this is a, in the world, the atomic bomb was maybe 20, was about 20 years previously. And, you know, this is an age where you're starting to see the, ramifications of that of nuclear power of nuclear energy of all of that so yeah. i would definitely say that you know the fact that uh nomad looks a little like a bomb is not maybe unintentional that that's definitely true but i also think you know it's interesting because 
um, you know, if, if I can uh, tell a story from uh, my own personal life for a second. Um, yes, yes, I know. Uh, this doesn't really have anything to do with me, but um, I was traveling out west uh, a couple weeks ago, and I went to uh, Las Vegas for, for a few days, and I, I went to a museum, and they were telling us this story about how uh, you know, back in, in in the late 40s and early 50s, um, back when Las Vegas was a much smaller city than it is now, and it was basically this tiny town surrounded by desert, that they were testing nuclear bombs in the desert outside of Las Vegas, and uh, tourists and people that lived there would go to these, like, casino nightclubs on the top of buildings. Oh, wow. And... W- <laughs> that's what that's where the idea of the atomic cocktail came from because they actually had atomic cocktail parties that they would sit there have these beverages and and watch the mushroom clouds and then um oh, wow. all of the fallout dust would come down on them and it was this pink color and that's where the fallout pink comes from so huh. uh you can definitely see and and I'm relating this story just because I think it's interesting in the context of nomad because of course nomad was built to explore and it comes back as something that is kind of fascinating to them because of its destructive power and they don't know exactly what to do and i think there's even an implication that um they maybe find uh, no not beautiful but at least kind of compelling well number i mean put it this way kirk with a nomad that is 100 percent loyal to him i mean that's not necessary. That that's a very interesting proposition in and of itself. Number two, no, I mean, Nomad can do these amazing things. It can bring the ship up to beyond what you know its normal capabilities are. It can bring not, the dead well, that, back was, to life. Like uh, it's it, that that alone is fascinating. The fact that it can. Yeah, I was about to say. Let's not forget the fact that yeah. that Nomad kills Scotty and then says, "Oh, hey, I can bring him back to life if you want." Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, Nomad has learned all of these things, has seen all of these things, has had contact with uh, a civilization that, you know, humanity assumingly knows nothing about. It is a fascinating little object. How it became something other than what it was is a fascinating little story. It's also kind of terrifying. And there's also the, I think for the beginning of it, disbelief that this is what actually caused everything, that, that this tiny little bong can, you know, kill an entire civilization. So... I, I think this uh, this is all on everybody's minds. I think. Yeah, and and it's interesting as well because of course they didn't know that they didn't know what Nomad yeah. was, and at the very beginning they think they're it's a ship. It's itself. a ship with yeah. really small people in it, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, and maybe that would have been a fun episode as well, uh, but by, beyond their budget, let's say. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, the relationship between Nomad and Kirk because I think that's one of the more like problematic areas of the episode and not problematic because it doesn't work, but more because uh, it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense, but it kind of works, I guess. It it, it assumes that uh, while Nomad has scanned every single other thing on the ship, it's never scanned Kirk to realize he's biological. I mean, that to me was the big hole in that. I can accept that. Well, I think the implication there was that Nomad knew that Kirk was biological, but because Nomad also knew that he was, or it was, I don't want to anthropomorphize Nomad, even though that's what we do as humans. Uh, 
I mean, that's why they call the Enterprise she, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I'm fine with calling Nomad a he because there is a consciousness there and it is voiced by a, a, a man. Yeah, so. yeah. But I think, I think the implication there was that Nomad understood that it was created by a biological entity. I don't know. But that. that it was programmed to obey its creator. And its memory banks were corrupted in such a way that it, it, it heard Kirk and thought that they, it, it, Kirk yeah. was its creator. And, not, the, and same, the, guy, the guy's name was Roy Kirk, which, you know, okay. But towards the end when Kirk does reveal, yes, well, I'm a biological unit, unit in an attempt to reason with it. And that's when Nomad kind of goes amok at the very end. I think it's actually, I seem to recall that he was, it was, he was actually surprised by that knowledge. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know. It did, Again, it did, that that implied that you that know, doesn't make any sense to yeah, me. Exactly. Like that seems to be a plot hole more than anything else. Yeah, I, and, and it's one of those. I I think that's something we're not supposed to pay attention to, you know. But well, again, I mean, like I said, um, with uh, a taste of Armageddon, you know, yeah. where that was the first time that Kirk, you know destroyed things by talking a computer down um and that's something that we would see again and again we saw him turn of the archons and, yeah. and now we see it um again in this episode where error he... error <laughs> and then and then of course nomad like turns into a chipmunk and who knows why that happens uh <laughs> yeah but i mean i like that number one i think the logic that he used to destroy nomad actually worked because through the whole thing i'm like he needs to just tell nomad like well you you know you can't uh you know, you have to destroy anything perfect, and you're not perfect because you didn't realize that he wasn't your creator, you know, this whole time. Like, that's a very obvious flaw, and that's the exact one that Kirk uses as, mm-hmm. the, as the beginnings of his argument. And, um, you know, it it's also not the logic itself that destroys Nomad. They clamp some kind of, basically, I, I, I figure it was some kind of bomb, and they blow, you know, they use that, they immediately teleport it out. And No, that wasn't a bomb. What was it? They said that those are anti-grav uh, okay. devices, and they either they, way, it's destroyed as partially as a result of that. Correct? No. Then why do they put anti-grav devices? So on? that they can move it. Oh, I thought they just okay. See, my my under I thought that they, they put the anti-grav things on it. I think of those as like, um, uh, you know, what do you, what do you call those things? Uh, push carts or something? Okay. And, and and they're moving boxes around, oh. and they use those things to move the boxes around. So they just put those things on so they can more easily move Nomad oh, around. Okay. Nomad, actually, I think they said that Nomad had a uh, self-destruct thing in it because, of course, yeah. if, if, he was, uh, if he was imperfect, he would destroy himself. And so yeah. the idea there was they're going to beam him away from the ship and he's going to uh, blow himself up. Okay, my, my mistake. I had thought that they just used the logic to kind of just trap him in a loop so he wouldn't realize that they were putting a... A bomb on him, and they just teleported no. him. No, I don't think that they. Oh well, that's less interesting. I don't think that they could destroy him, right? I don't know because they tried to shoot a photon torpedo at him, and it didn't do anything. Yeah, so. but it was also that's while it was operating at at as much of its capabilities as it could have. You know, it wasn't being distracted by faulty logic. I mean, I kind of like the idea that Nomad destroys itself. Oh yes, that's that. That is give it a different. It's a it's a nice it's a nice complete a circle, you know, and. It also sort of ties into the theme of the episode of unintended consequences because, of course, I don't think that Nomad intended to destroy itself. Okay, perhaps. That might be. Those facts may be coordinated. (laughs) There are a couple of callbacks to earlier episodes that I noticed. Number one, Kirk describes Nomad as going space happy, which is the... uh, I knew you were going to bring that up. I know. And number two, did you catch the name of the guy who, with the bug-eyed guy who's looking at, 
who's taking care of Nomad at one point? I don't think so. Last name is Singh, Lieutenant Singh. Oh, yeah. Descendant of Khan? Probably not. I thought that was a thing that Khan had all of these descendants. I think Singh is like Smith okay. in India. I don't think that was supposed to be anything like that. I think it was an. I figured it could have been a nice one because, you know, again, I thought Kong's, Khan's descendants had populated the Earth. Kong? Kong? King Kong, yes. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Wait, I must have missed that episode. Uh, it, it, see, it's more of a symbolic interpretation of anything else. Uh, um, well, that sounds boring. I think we need, also need to talk about my favorite subplot of this episode. Are you talking about Uhura? I love... I I, I don't okay. know. Okay. This is wonderful. This was... This subplot... It, it made no goddamn sense, and it was amazing. I loved it. I don't get it at all. Yeah. Okay, so... You explain what happened, because... I mean, I get what happened, okay, but it doesn't so make Okay, so Uhura's sense. just kind of... You know, singing to herself, and uh, and of course, anytime Uhura sings, it's great. Yeah, and Nomad gets a space erection um, with this little antenna popping up, and he goes and finds her, and he's saying, you know, what are you doing? You know, what is music? Do not does not compute. You know, it's the stuff. It scans her mind and finds it massively disorganized, and essentially, not like, even that. It says, "Think of music. <laughs> Think of music." <laughs> Um, and of course, you know, if, if a, if a killer robot tells you to think of music, you're going to think about anything but music. No, I'm going to think of. Anyway, um, that's the Terminator theme. Yeah. Um, it, it basically erases her memory accidentally. And that's when it kills Scotty. Um, which is also interesting because, uh, of course, Nomad is supposed to be perfect. And I don't think he intended to empty her mind. And so. That even is an indication that yeah. maybe he should have realized that he should have destroyed himself. But anyway. Um, so, and and, and and there's a great line where I think it's, you know, McCoy says, you know, that, that unit's a woman. You know, that's a person. And he goes, it's a mass of conflicting impulses. And I'm like, oh, Star Trek. That's, oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, so she's. Who knew that Nomad was a big chauvinist? Yeah. Apparently everyone. So she has, like, literally no memory, apparently, like, she can't even speak. So uh, McCoy's like, well, I guess I've got to get back on re-educating it. And they cut to Nurse Chapel, and she's... Re-educate it? Wow, you're being really, really offensive this week. Well, at this... First you want... Wait, first you no, want No, you're to... the one who didn't want to give no... You want to give You want to give a soulless killing robot a gender, and when Uhura, one of our most beloved characters, has her entire memory erased, and they have to re-educate her from scratch, you call her it. Yes. Wow. I'm a bad person, Eric. Now everyone else is finding this out. This is this is the, this is why I should not do podcasts. The world finds out about me. Um, so she's basically going on, you know, C spot run level like reading things, and you know, at one point she's frustrated. And you there's know, a great okay. So the scene you're talking about has yeah. Nurse Chapel reading to Uhura, yeah. and 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 she's Uhura is trying to read this book in English, and, yeah. and she's getting really frustrated, and she's kind of like yeah, spouting things out in Swahili. Yeah, which, she just like just says this like she's like no no not Swahili, and she's obviously fluent in Swahili at this point, like. I would consider that to be brilliant progress, you know? Like, yeah, like, um, and why teach her Swahili before English if you don't speak Swahili? Yeah, and then, like, they keep cutting to this her throughout the day, and they mention, oh, well, she's on college level now, you know? And it's like, I, I can Uhura, Uhura I can had the weirdest day ever, pretty I much. <laughs> I can accept that Uhura's, like, 
really smart and can go through all of this very uh, accelerated level. And I assume that they're, for some reason, the space C-spot run is more efficient than, like, the Earth C-spot run. But I really think she would not be able to get to college without a break for lunch or anything like that. <laughs> like it, it, now it, they've got the food pellets. They're fine. Okay. They're all fine. No. And that's the thing though. Right. Because I think that's a, it, it's, it's played as a joke, but it's actually really disturbing what happens to her. Yeah. Because it wasn't even that they erased just her knowledge, but they erased the memory. I, I mean, it's implicate, it's implicate, it's implied that they nomad erased her mind entirely her mind is entirely blank which yes. means that she has no idea who she is she has no memories of her childhood no memory she's of any parents she has scratch yeah. yeah like she's essentially a, a baby and i i guess the i mean they never really explain it but i i think the implication there is that dr mccoy is not only using some sort of 23rd century uh, you know mass uh, accelerated learning program yeah. on her but and is also they must keep scans of her brains or something on file and so they can just kind of download her memories back into her head because at the end of the episode he says oh i think she'll be ready for duty next week and you're yeah. like what yeah like it's implied that you know she's taking two three weeks off of this at most you know and I mean, if we if we use a, a real world example, you know, a, a, a congressman, a congresswoman Giffords from from last yeah. year where, um, you know, she was uh, very unfortunately shot in the head uh, and, you know, is doing much better than she was then. But, yeah. you know, she lost a portion of her brain and, and, and she is certainly not uh, where where she was before she was shot. Hell, you don't even need to get so dramatic. Someone who has a stroke, you know, has a. Well, that's a, I, that's kind of essentially what I figured was going on here. You know, she's yeah, and she didn't have any damage to yeah, her brain. Necessarily, there weren't, but, and she didn't need to relearn to walk or anything. It's assumed, but which well, which why? Like you would have to relearn to walk yeah, if your brain exactly. Was but we're all. I mean, you wouldn't be able to do anything. You wouldn't be basically. Yeah. You'd be able to blink. Uh, you'd be able to 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 pucker your lips. It's one thing if they breathe. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. It would be one thing if they said that. Oh well, you know, she's had some you know, a major shock, but, you know, we're going to just do these as tests and to get her back to where she was, but that's all there. We just have to, you know, do some kind of, I don't know, but what also I find interesting is the fact that, you know, when, you know, Kirk tells McCoy, like, okay, if, you know, fix her, he says, yeah, I'll get right on it, you know, and, you know, again, the next scene, Nurse Chapel is doing this, and, you know, Nurse Chapel's doing it very patiently and like someone who's done this before. So this must be a relatively, like the fact that they make no real big deal out of it implies that this kind of thing has happened enough times that they have a whole program based on it. <laughs> That's kind of weird. Like if you told, you know, be, you know, if you were to tell any, any doctor now, like, oh, this person's had a stroke, you know. They're going to think, oh, that's very serious. You know, we, we can do this, but it's going to take a long time of physical. You know, they, they would be worried, especially if, you know, if this thing is uncommon or a major deal, they, they would have a much different reaction. So this is not a thing even. That's, I think, what's the most disturbing and funny about this. Well, let's link this back to Nomad, right? Because yeah. Nomad has the ability to repair any physical damage with someone but he says that he cannot uh, he cannot yeah. repair the mental damage to Uhura because her he emptied her mind and her mind yeah, is blank deleted essentially. Where, where did the information go we don't know i would think it would be an omad but who knows now um, also i i have to say we are kind of 
I, I know I personally am viewing this in terms of computer files, like somebody, sele- you know, hit select all yeah. of your brain and hit delete. Number one, that's not how memory works. And number two, that's, you know, that would not have been the understanding in 1960s because that's not how computers were, you know, computers were not on that file system. So I do think we need to get those preconceptions out of the way in order to understand this plot. Sure. That being said... I don't. I don't know what a, what they would have, how they would have understood this when it was written. I don't know, but you know, if you do think about it in terms of how Nomad can can fix physical damage, and then you know, maybe the implication here is that uh, they are slightly better than Nomad because they can fix this this mental damage. And again, the unintended consequences of the episode. This guy Roy Kirk develops this thing, which was sent out to be. Uh, a peaceful exploration probe turns out to to destroy life all over the galaxy. That's a big unintended consequence. Yeah. Um, Nomad comes on the ship, erases Uhura's memory. That is an unintended consequence. But where Nomad can't fix what he does, and where Roy Carrick can't fix where he do- what he does, uh, they fix it. And and, yeah. and the Enterprise is always fixing the things that go wrong. And so maybe you know, and, and of course some of that is just the constraints of drama, but. It's also interesting because I think it does say something about where this civilization is, that they do have the ability to pretty quickly repivot and fix things that go wrong. Yeah, this is a society that is uh, uh, piloted by values and by by a certain purpose in life. And so, you know, definitely a society that's based on exploration and peace and, you know— Seeking new worlds and all of that will know how to cure as many things as easily as it can. Yeah, yeah. Um, one other thing that I want to mention, uh, if you have anything else before I mention this, I don't know. Um, I think I'm okay. Uh, well, I, I'm not sure why I'm bringing this up, but I, I think maybe because uh, I think this is more ammunition for my theory that you actually don't think Sulu is gay and you're just trying to get my dander up. Um Sulu seemed extremely interested in the large dildo. Oh, come on. Because that's, that's just stupid, Eric. No, Nomad is shaped like a giant dildo, and Sulu was really interested in it. So, you know, I'm just saying. Look, Eric, I don't consider that evidence because wanting a dildo up your butt does not mean gay. I have plenty of straight guy friends who are into that. Now, Mirror, right. Mirror on All the right. other hand, has pretty much the most... Uh, Concrete gay Sulu evidence I have ever seen in this series. Well, yet. we'll we'll get to mirror. We will get to mirror and mirror, but first let's triple it up. Eric, I think you should give me the number of triples for this episode. But you always give me the number. Of exactly. Uh, I'll give this one a six. Okay, I would give it an eight triples. Wow. Yeah. All right. Actually, no nine because fuck Chekhov and he's not in it. That is true. Yes. Any he's episode not. with no Chekhov automatically gets an extra point. I think this is a new rule. Okay, so now let's go on to mirror mirror. All right, Eric. So what did you think of Mirror Mirror? Well, I want to start this uh, conversation off by, uh, since we just talked about Chekhov a little bit, because Chekhov was not in the last episode, and I missed him very much. I did not. Uh, I am betting that this episode will get at least one full triple just because they torture Chekhov. No, because they don't torture Chekhov. They torture evil Chekhov. Regular Chekhov is all of there, all like, look at stupid haircut, I'm Russian, and, you know, having no torture happen. Okay, but... Also, I don't believe in torture, Eric. I am a very nice and moral person who does not believe in torturing his enemies. In the parallel universe energy field, which is a concept in Star Trek, it is postulated that any pain that any alternate 
version of a person feels is transferred, at least in part, to any other alternate version of that person, oh. provided that they've been at least linked in the alternate universes by someone else that they both have in common. So, like, when you're just getting, like, a random pain that's, like, your alternate self, like, hit his shin or something? I completely made that up. It's I not think true that's at all. awesome. But I think that it should be in the next Star Trek. <laughs> and then just, like, that entire... During the entire episode, like, real check of was just having diarrhea the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what this is. Like, and it's just, you know, every, you know, ever just feeling really bad. He's just like in sick bay, like, you know, being given Pedialyte. And, you know, that's, that's, that's his day. <laughs> Jesus, poor guy. Oh, now you're feeling bad for Chekhov. This is terrible. <laughs> I know. That was not my intention at all. Well, now I'm taking off a whole triple just for spite. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so what did you think about Mirror Mirror? I was expecting to hate this episode. Really? Why? Uh, mostly because, uh, well, there was the South Park episode where they parodied it and they had all the evil versions running around with goatees. And I'm at the age where South yeah, Park but makes me. Yeah, I know. And I kind of figured, because in the first season, one of the early ep- episodes has evil parallel Kirk running around. And I was kind of thinking, and that was a stupid episode. And I figured, okay, it's probably going to be along those lines. And. You know, the well, whole... now wait a second. The alternate factor is not. Is that the alternate factor? No, that's no. the enemy within. Yeah. I was a little crazy with episode titles. I like that episode, but anyway, continue. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't Evil Kirk. It was, it was like oh, less, yeah, good, yeah, you know. If you really want to find yeah. out what we think, go back to episode three. Of I have no idea what we really think about it, actually, because it's been a while <laughs> since I've listened to it. Um, but they ended up doing, and I figure like the very premise, like "oh, there's evil versions of everybody running around," isn't very interesting. But they did it in a much more. Th- the episode was about something very different than I thought it would be, and I yeah, have, and I I should have given I have to give it more credit than I originally did. Yeah, because at this point in the show, the show is definitely batting a thousand. Um, it's it's doing a really good job with with what I mean. This is pretty much Star Trek at, at the original series at its best at this point. Like. Yeah. There, there are really, really good episodes coming up, um, but like there, this this season I think is the most consistent yeah. of any of the three seasons. And one of the reasons that I think this episode, I mean, obviously this episode is is sort of beloved because you've got a lot of cool things going on. Yeah, you've got the concept of the agony booth, you've got the Tantalus field, you've got like you've got Laura's abs. I mean, seriously, this, did you see her yeah. abs? This episode, by the way, answers the question that has been on on my mind, which is could so, could Uhura's outfit have been more revealing? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Oh, it yes. could have. She I, could be dressed like a hooker. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how, like, her reaction to her own outfit when, you know, she sees it. Like, she has the proper reaction that you would. Yeah. Upon realizing that, oh, okay, well, there's only part of a shirt here. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've also got uh, Spock having a little goatee. Oh, Spock looking really hot in his goatee. Yeah. And, and multiple people are, like, commenting on the fact that Spock has a goatee. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of, like, really stuff like that in this episode and you, you know you got the salute and you have all the crazy uh, uh, uh medals on everybody's chest and yeah. you have the the imperial that I like, logo yeah. and all you know it's different enough even that was uh, an awesome logo it's like a dagger stabbing through earth yeah like, holy shit okay like, you they know, do not fuck around evil federation yeah is, is serious um even to go so far as to make the captain's chair bigger yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, they they made the back of it taller. 
There were a lot of subtle things like they mentioned. So it's that, almost yeah. like a throne. Okay. I, I, I did not notice that. Um, they have Kirk killed Captain Pike in this, and that's how he got his promotion. Um, there's a couple other missions they mentioned that, like, Kirk distinguished him violently in this universe. I don't know if those were callbacks to earlier episodes or not. I think so. I, but it would I have don't, been interesting if they had. I don't remember exactly. I do I do think they were, at least one of them, because I remember Vega in a previous episode, I think. Yeah, it, it's. I don't remember the names of the planets, honestly, beyond you know, the obvious there, ones. There's no reason why you would, except yeah. that you're a huge Star Trek nerd like well, me. So. Um, even little things like the computer's voiced by a man in this, and, you know, Kirk kind of widens t- for a second when he hears that. Like, it's... They they went all out for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I even the fact that the like the transporter is a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the okay. So the episode starts with, uh, Kirk, Scotty, Uhura, and Bones. Uh, Bones on a planet uh, by the um, Harkins. I think it what they were called. Um, and they have dilithium crystals, and uh, the Federation wants them, of course, because the Federation uses them for warp drive. Yeah. Uh, and they don't want to give them to them because they don't want any of their power being used for violence. Okay. And it's interesting because Mirror Mirror, I like as an episode because it is really entertaining. It's really well done. And it's also, I think, the most explicit that the original series ever gets about what kind of society the Federation is. Okay. Because there's that great line in the cold open where they're leaving the planet and the, the leader of, of, of the, uh, of the aliens, you know, says, you know, you could just take our crystals and, and, and Kirk says, but we won't think about that. Yeah. You know? And then it's like, Oh shit. And then suddenly, they beam up and go, you know, Spock has a goatee and people are getting uh, yeah. agonized. Yeah. So <laughs> they're, in, they're in the world with the Federation that will take. Them. Exactly. In a way, I almost wonder if this is the universe where Nazis won, you know, like because they have this colonization empire, these very specific. It's, you know, there is some kind or maybe the, the, the genetic superhumans, you know, won in this universe or whatever. We, we, yeah, you assume that things are different in in bad ways yeah. that would cause this to happen and it's i like the fact that it's not made explicit they don't get a history lesson like you know they're no. not like well in 1945 the nazis took over the world and blah, yeah. blah you know they don't do that um it's just kind of left up to the viewer's imagination to to sort of construct yeah. how this would happen, which I like. Which was, yeah, that was my personal. I'm reading a book on Eichmann right now, so I, I went with the Nazi interpretation, but it's just some kind of evil empire in there. Yeah. And the Federation is not, you know, the, and the Federation in this case is not marked by peace, is not marked by exploration, but by conquering. Um, this is, again, they very specific, the, the fact that assassinating your superior makes you move up a rank is not only tolerated, but seems to be a policy. And that was taken from an, a, a real earth culture, right? Like, I know, I don't, I can't think of any specifically, but I, I'm, I'm almost positive that there were some like that. I've seen plenty of in fiction where, like, this is a thing just because that's such a fucked up version of promotion that it's, you know. I mean, how great is that scene where Kirk goes up to the bridge and, and, and he doesn't bomb the planet, and then uh, he gets in the uh, turbo lift, and, and Chekhov kind of, like, indicates a couple lights, gets on the turbo lift with him, and 
at this point, we're as unbalanced as they yeah. are. We don't know what's going on. We don't know who to trust. It turns out don't trust anyone in this universe. Yeah. Uh, and Not necessarily, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that, yeah. And then, of course, Kirk almost gets killed. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa. By Chekhov of all By people. By Chekhov of all people, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, fuck Chekhov. Um, and the other interest, uh, the other good scene is when Kirk come back, comes back to his quarters and he sees... A woman asleep there, it's his girlfriend. And holy shit, who is she? And she's very, uh... And she reveals that this Kirk's, uh, m- uh, uh, power has been seized not through legitimate means, but he basically has a video camera that can kill people. He's basically God. Yeah. He, I don't know what that thing is. It's called the Tantalus Field. It, yeah, it, it, it assumingly can lock into somebody and just destroy them for, for the far. And he's, you know, everybody says, oh, your enemies just disappear. You right. Know? So, assumingly, you know, Kirk has killed Captain Pike through this means, you know, and he's killed all of the superiors through this means, um, which is interesting. And, he, and she also believes that he's giving this 12-hour thing because he has even a more powerful, uh, and he's kind of impl- going along with that. Like, yeah, well, I'm not going to worry about the Federation, you know. Because he knows he's leaving in a bit, but, you know. But but she plays off it, right? Because, yeah. you know, she, she says that, oh, you're going to you know, basically be the emperor and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And it's set up that the idea that, you know, this Kirk is as competent as, as our Kirk, but to, to very different means. Well, it's more and difficult he, to take on, you know, superiors of Starfleet than it is to, you know, follow the rules and get power. <laughs> Let's not, face it. I mean, not necessarily. Well, yeah, but I mean. But if, if all you have to do to get promoted in this universe is kill someone, you know, no matter how competent you are, if you kill somebody, you go up. So, you know, Kirk's competence happens to match his position. But I think there's something interesting there because Kirk is set up as a character, our Kirk, not the mirror Kirk. Is set up as a character who has no problem disobeying orders whatsoever and does it with pretty regular timing. Yeah. And he doesn't really ever get disciplined. So I think Kirk is mercenary. Our Kirk is mercenary. But you can that's why I think Maverick, do you mean? Yeah, Maverick, maybe. Okay. Um is I I think that's why this episode works so well because it does set up this idea that, well, if X is satisfied, then this is how Kirk would be, and you can easily see how that would be the case because Kirk is not a goody two shoes. Kirk does not follow orders. Kirk does what he wants to do, and he justifies it in such a way as he gets away with it. Yeah, it just a, turns yeah. out that he is usually doing the right thing. Yeah, he has either done the moral right, or in the case of uh, the Ponfar episode, somebody else intervenes, you know, to get that. Um, but that makes a very interesting point, because everybody is shocked when, you know, Kirk says, oh, well, 12 hours, and everybody says, that's unprecedented, you're disobeying orders. If Mirror Kirk were disobeying orders with anything resembling the re- uh, frequency that regular Kirk did... They wouldn't be as shocked at that. They'd be like, oh, Kirk's, you know, because anytime Kirk disobeys an order, they all say, well, are you sure about that? Okay, well, you're the captain. So that's not happening here. That's interesting. I mean, the uh, the other alternate Kirk episode implied that Kirk's uh, humanity and compassion is where he draws his courage from. So that may be the case here, too. Yeah, I don't know that I don't know that I get the sense that that the mirror Kirk is is has any real courage. I mean, he definitely is um bloodthirsty. He's very very ambitious and he adapts. I mean, there's almost a sense that it, it's kind of interesting, right? Because it almost it almost implies that 
uh, Kirk's personality is in a way more suited to being um, on the straight and narrow in this kind of brutal universe. He doesn't need to break orders in this universe because he gets what he wants by yeah. following them. Okay. Or he just kills his superior officer. Yeah, and put it this way, get using this technology, which is so superior to anything anybody else has, um, kind of maybe he really didn't have the opportunity to advance his skills. We've talked a few times about having technology that, you know, someone's not ready for. That's, you know, that may be just on a personal level something that Muir Kirk is not really ready to have the responsibility to handle. So maybe he sees this power prematurely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, you know, Mirror Spock very pretty much says, you know, I don't want to be captain, you know, I would much rather be your subordinate because, you know, Spock knows what his Mirror Spock knows what his life is there and he's very comfortable. He can do all of the he still has that same scientific curiosity and it's implied that, you know, he has the biggest ship so he's able to do whatever research he wants to. Uh and all he has to do is be second in command. He considers that a good price to pay. Uh, so Spock realizes he's not ready for this power. Kirk maybe doesn't. Mirror Kirk doesn't. Yeah. And I think, you know, let's talk about Mirror uh, Spock a little bit because I think he is also one of the more interesting characters in the episode just because he's very much like our Spock. He's logical. Yeah. He reasons everything out. And I think it's kind of scary because in 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 star trek so far it's been you know you get this setup between kirk's emotionalism and spock's logical decision making and you know more often than not both need to be balanced out uh you can't be logical all the time just as you can't be emotional all the time both have their places and their roles and not only that i think you see that when mirror spock is Use, has has come to the logical conclusion that we need to bomb these people, that this is the clearest indication so far in the entire series where you can really see that logic can't be by itself because you can pretty much reason out that this is the easy, the easiest way to do things is to conquer and destroy people. And so... Spock almost has no no moral center in this universe because nobody has a moral center in this universe. Well, that's it. The ideology in Mirror Mirrorland is that, you know, conquest and the glory of the empire and one's personal position and one's personal ambitions, those are the things that need to be sated. And so and there's even there's, logic is logic just bases on facts. Logic is, you know, dispassionate. And so Yes, within the logic of mirror society, it makes perfect sense to bomb this. Within the logic, uh, you know, when you when the empire, their empire is already feared and probably hated by people, so he doesn't have to worry about the reputation. Real Spock would never come to that conclusion because number one, the Federation guides itself on a humanist and peaceful society, and you really want to protect the Federation's reputation. You wouldn't just bomb something even if it made the most logical sense because the overriding. You know, the news that the Federation just started a war on a peaceful planet that didn't want to attack it for resources would tarnish it beyond all measure. And they just wouldn't do that because it's beyond the pale, right? Yeah. And I I like the fact that, uh, you know, even going so far as to um, indicate that in the Mirror Universe, Vulcans are feared because there's that that line in the episode where I, I forget where Spock is talking to, but he says something. I think maybe it was to Sulu where he says, you know, if if I'm killed... 
uh, my operatives will avenge me, and some of them are Vulcans. Yeah. And Sulu's like, holy shit, I don't want any part of that. Yeah. So there's this idea that Vulcans are like these sort of really like torturous boogeymen or something in this universe. To be fair, their emotion. I mean, Spock is still very logical, but he's not as. I I I, I don't know. I I it, it it may make sense that the you know mirror Vulcans are have more of a rage emotion in them. Maybe they don't master their emotions as completely, or maybe they use these emotions, you know, in the context of a fight. Because, yeah. I mean, there is a fight when, you know, towards the end when, you know, ev- there's four, all four of them are fighting Spock. And it's only because, you know, Kirk hits him with a vase or something like that. that There's he- a skull, actually. Okay, yeah. And uh, which is a pretty much a killing blow, almost a killing blow. If McCoy doesn't intervene, you know, he's dead. So, you know... Yeah, that's what it takes to knock out a Vulcan. Based on the Ponfar episode, they are pretty strong. Yeah, totally. I like this episode because it is Yohura's episode through and through. She really kicks ass in this episode. She has—I mean, she even takes a swing at Spock and does as good a job as anybody else. Uh, we see her doing a lot in this one. Very, very early on in the episode when they first are like, where the hell are we? Um, and, and Kirk orders her to the bridge and, and, and she's like, I, and he's like, you're the only one who can do this, Uhura. I mean, that's like really, yeah. Great. And from that in, well, that's, that's what I think is one of the differences in between the two universes in the mirror universe, the leadership, uh, wants to curb its subordinates because, you know, if you have too strong of a subordinate, he's going to realize, oh, well, you know, I'm stronger than the guy in front of me and we'll kill him. So it's in your interest to keep your subordinates down. In Kirk's version of the universe, in Kirk's universe, in the real universe, um, that's a very bad policy. It's, it's in Kirk's best interest to have the most competent and the most knowledgeable people working for him. And it's his, the, the view of the, of the, of the normal Federation is that leadership needs to inspire and, uh, and support its it, 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 who 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 the people who are under it, and based you know yes, Yahura is initially terrified because she's not a combat operative; she's you know mostly a you know a, a, an op- operator. But you know, Kirk says, "No, you got this. You know, you're Uhura. You can do this." And she goes even beyond probably her own capabilities. I think that's that's says a lot about why this is a what. what some of the Federation's principles are yeah, and why yeah. they're good. And I also think you, you can also link that idea to uh, the character of the captain's woman who, who appears yeah. at the very end of the episode as the mirror, as their universe counterpart. Yeah. As a competent officer who is just on the enterprise and yeah. she's like put together and dressed and you know, all that kind of stuff. But in the mirror universe, the implication is that smart women and ambitious women have very limited uh, paths to any sort of power or influence. And one of the ways that they get power and influence is by latching onto powerful yeah. men and basically sleeping with them and just being their concubines. Yeah. Which, yeah. And, and, and Kirk tries to disabuse her of that a little bit because he does say to her, you know, y- you could do whatever you want to do yeah. basically. Yeah. And the, the sad thing is, you know, Kirk, Kirk is so optimistic and Kirk is so, a believer in the power of the individual that he doesn't realize that, you know, you have to have a society around you that, um, that, that allows that to happen. And 
they don't live in that kind of society. Well, you see, but the, then where the episode ends is that Kirk is talking to Spock and basically convinces Spock, like, look, you know, I in my room you will find the thing that will give you ultimate power, you know? You as a being of logic can see that eventually, you know, just this will – this cannot hold itself. This, you know, empire that's conquering is – and Spock agrees. Like, yeah, at, within – I think he even says like within 250 years, this right. is all going to fall apart. You know, he's looked at all of every tyrannical organization that's fallen and seen like, OK, eventually this is going to go. And, you know, Kirk is saying, well, it would make more sense to, to steer society towards a – towards a goal which is more sustainable you know spock even says that and says that you know i don't have the power and that's when he gives him this tantalus field or whatever um so given the show's optimism i no doubt that mirror spock will start to take power and use it for good i and that uh, i assumedly uh you know what what's what's the woman's name uh marlene is going to even if she attaches herself to Spock's side or if they just work together even as equals, I assume that she is going to have a place in this new world order that Spock is going to bring about. And I will say this. I will not uh, I'll not spoil anything for you uh, because I think you've gotten used to the idea of not asking if things are revisited. The Mirror Universe actually is revisited oh, good. in Deep Space Nine. So we're not going to see it for oh, quite a while. But that that's I'm actually excited about because and, that would be I would be interested in seeing where that does go. And you do see where it goes. Okay. So I will not say anything more about that. I could see it going either way. I think if the universe if the show wants to make it a problem, it can very easily make it a problem. And if it wants to make it okay, it can just as easily make it okay. The the decision that the uh the showrunners of Deep Space Nine make with the mirror universe uh, I will not give any specifics about it, but I will just say that um, I, I've talked a little bit about Deep Space Nine on this show and, and how it is my favorite Star Trek for, yeah. for a variety of reasons. And one of the reasons I like Deep Space Nine so much is that it pays homage to the original series without lionizing it. And it is much more it's much more true to the spirit of the original series than I think any of the other series are. Okay. Even the next generation. And that what they do with the mirror universe is extremely consistent with the take that deep space nine has on the Federation okay. and, and sort of the optimism of the Federation okay. and their version of it. I will be excited to so watch. So in a year and a half or two yeah. years or whenever it is we get to that, you'll see that. And and people that are familiar with Star Trek that are listening to this are probably laughing right now because they know exactly what happens. I've never seen a Deep Space Nine, so. Yeah, and don't don't read anything. I don't no, I won't. You... I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to go. Yeah. There were two tiny moments that I found really hilarious. Uh, number one, that when he goes to uh, – when he meets up with Marlene, she puts a little – Pushes a little button and like two glasses fall out. And I'm assuming that what they did in this universe is when they made, met Balok, they killed him and they stole all the Tranya. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. Like, cause yeah, that's what I, cause it looks like they got Tranya there. Oh God, that's terrible. Because, oh, no, put it this way. Would they have let Balok live? 
No. Yeah, I I, I can picture most of, the, and this is also somebody who killed the uh, the Gorn. This is also a Kirk that I mean I mean we could look into every episode and figure out how Kirk killed whoever well, you know? well in 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 the mirror universe star trek is an extremely boring show because each episode is five minutes long and they all are ended with kirk going to his quarters and killing whoever is the villain <laughs> for that week and then just he and marlena bone for the rest of the time it's the most popular show it's 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 pornography basically mm. yeah that's sad yeah i know poor baylock we hardly knew ye pornography isn't sad i i, I love pornography what if it's Baylock pornography. I don't want to see that. Um, I also love how, you know, they're having all, like, evil Mirrorland doesn't realize that all of the, uh, you know, that, that that these people aren't really who they are. And then say they, they have a line like, I wonder what's happening, you know, on the ship. Cuts away for 30 seconds, you know, Spock's like, all right, evil people, I, we'll, we'll figure this out later, but you're in jail. And, and, and that's pretty much all we see. Like, they commented on on the end, but it's like, yeah, like, real Spock is so much, you know, better than... <laughs> I I really like that scene, because, yeah, like you said, yeah. it's, like, it's like a minute long. Yeah. <laughs> and it almost feels like, you know, this is something that a lot of single-camera sitcoms do, where they, like, cut away yeah, to something for a minute. It's like a family guy game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much what it is, except it's taken seriously. But it, I like the fact yeah. that they, you know, a lot, I can see a lesser version of this episode going back and forth. And that's what and, I thought the episode you know, would be. Spock is interrogating the mirror Kirk about what's going on, and Kirk is just yelling at him the whole time and being really vitriolic and mean, and, you know, I don't know, they try and escape or whatever. And that, that doesn't happen, because... At the end of the episode, he's like, nah, you know what? They It's a lot easier for civilized men to act as barbarians than it is for barbarians to act as civilized men. And we picked them out immediately, and we had no trouble keeping them in the yeah. break, and now they're gone. I wish we could have seen evil Yahura and evil uh, Scotty and evil Bones. I mean, but, you, 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 know. s- you see them. But I know, but they like don't... they don't have any scenes. Like We know what evil Kirk is like, but... And I and I like the fact that uh, I think like the like the one line that Kirk has that isn't "let me out of here" or is "you Vulcan bastard" is yeah. basically what kind of uniforms are these? <laughs> this has sleeves and a crew neck. I dislike this. Why can't I see my comm officer's abs? <laughs> um. So now I know you don't believe in gay Sulu. It's not that I don't believe in Gay Sulu. It's just that I don't think you're right. Well, okay. Explain the fact that in the Mirror Universe, Sulu is all rapey towards Yuhura. How the alternate version of Sulu is not only heterosexual, but predator- predatorially. Predatorially? Heterosexual. I don't know where you're going with this. I, I, I'm saying that evil Sulu is straight and good Sulu is gay. I, if you take opposites, uh huh, uh huh, yeah, I, I, I this is evidence. Okay, well, I, I have I have two things to say to that, both of which are are, are going to paint you in a horrible light. All right, thing one. Uh, thing one is that you have just said that heterosexuality is evil. Um, yeah, which maybe I don't disagree with. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you want him to rape Uhura? Because, I mean, if you want him to rape Uhura, I think I hear you saying that you want Sulu raping Uhura, then and you don't think that's evil. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. That's not relevant right now. We're not talking about my turn-ons. Uh, and the, the second thing I will say is that, um, you know, these are these are versions of the same person, and so 
uh, if the mirror universe Sulu is a heterosexual and, and our universe Sulu is gay, then what you are saying is that uh, sexuality is a choice, that uh, fundamentalist Christians are correct in hating gay people, and that conversion therapy can work. And so I posit to you, Richard, yeah. that you are a homophobe. I think that might be the case. Okay. But wait. So that means you accept my postulate that, you know, hetero, that rapey, het, rapey hetero uh, evil Sulu is the opposite of nice, nice or, gay Sulu. Or I will posit to you a, a, another theory. Okay. That let's say either that both Sulus are heterosexual or, or, or. more interestingly... Both Sulus are gay, and that in the mirror universe, homosexuality is not acceptable. And so he is acting out in a very obvious way. He has nothing to say to that. He is speechless. Because I think I just got you to agree to gay Sulu. Uh, I no, believe no. in gay Sulu. I'm, it's, I'm it's, just, it's real. It's a thing. I'm just I'm I'm laying out it all is. possible theories. Well, yes, and of course, if this were just the only t- I you know the only episode we saw where this was an issue, I would say one thing. But you know, you got to take it with all of the other evidence that we've been presenting this whole time, plus the evidence to come. Well, so we're gonna make that the, the case is still being built. Okay. All right. Well, I, I just I, see more evidence for gay Sulu so far than straight Sulu. I, I hope that you're taking notes, and I hope that you're keeping a file for gay Sulu. And I can't one of our fans do that for us. Uh, sure. Isn't that why you make fan wikis? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to do this. Someone else. <laughs> Someone do my work for me. And then when we get when we get army to, of peons work. <laughs> when we get to Star Trek Six, and we're done with the original series. Uh, we'll we'll do a special roundup gay Sulu episode, a bonus episode where you can lay out all the evidence. You can be the prosecution. I'll, I I I won't be the defense. We should I have a trial much. to see if gay Sulu is a thing. That's we could what do I'm that at like a convention. And and what we'll do is we'll play the uh, the Ponfar fight music. Yeah. Okay. So, do you have anything else to say about Mirror Mirror? I liked it, and I would watch it again if I had to. Yeah, I, I, I again, I, I really like this episode, and yeah. I like the fact that it sets up, you know, the, the the Federation ideals in such a stark way. Yeah, and I also like the fact that uh, it's just a really kick ass episode in so many respects. It's and it, it has a lot of cool set design, a lot of cool imagery, and a lot of stuff that has made its way into pop culture for yeah. for good reason. The, so far, again, I mean, you've said this is a very good shot of a season. Like, I didn't like Kumar and Saradanias, but everything. Every other one, like, so far has been awesome. And this one, like, none of these episodes had any boring bits. Exactly, yeah. I I, I don't, <laughs> like I said, the second season is probably the they've, most consistent. And it, it definitely is never boring, I they don't figured, think. Yeah, they figured out the world. They figured out their characters. They figured out how to write for this show. They figured out how to direct it, you know, yeah. and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Great. All right. So uh, what, what will you give Mirror Mirror? I will also give this an 8-triple episode. I think there was a lot of calculations of adding and subtracting, and I don't know what it is. So let's give it 8-triples. I'm between 8 and 9. Um, oh, eight and a half triples. I don't like giving halves, but I think in this case I will, just because I will either add 
a half for a mirror universe or I will subtract a half for a mirror universe. I don't know which. Oh. Why you don't like mirror universes or you do? No, they're fine. I like them. Yeah, they're fine. They're fun. I would always like to I would like to meet Mayor Richard. And everybody has a, a He has a lot of money and I can steal it. Yeah, but he doesn't have a he doesn't have a beard though. No. That's how you know. That's how you know it's him. I say that's him. Well, next week we are going to cover the apple and the doomsday machine. Okay, I could use an apple. What kind of apple is it? Uh, it's a MacBook Air. Oh, I, 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 that sounds okay. How many hard drives does it have? 17. Wow, yeah. that's a lot of hard drives. And uh, I haven't said this in a couple weeks. If uh, you like the show, um, we, we have been uh, getting some, some nice feedback from some people. And uh, we're, we're not like reading it or anything. You know, just, just know that you have... You have warmed the cockles of our hearts. I mean, we're reading it like to ourselves, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're, we're not we're, reading it aloud. We're reading it. I don't see like Trek about feedback and hit hit the delete button. Uh, <laughs> that would be terrible. Those um, assholes. Uh, if you like the show and you're listening, um, I will say again, please go on iTunes and, and and rate the show and and leave a review. That will help us out quite a bit. And send uh, us to your friends. Yeah, tell your friends. Tell William Shatner. Tell whoever you want. Any influential people you know in the media or business. Tell Sulu that I believe he's gay. Yeah, do that too. Yeah. You know what? Maybe, maybe you should uh, tweet at George Takei and just. Did you intend for Sulu to be gay? Yeah, because and is... if he says yes, that's like a billion points. And if he says no, I'm not going to tell you about it. I think you should do this, and I think you should do it from the Trek About Show. Well, Twitter I'm, account. no, I would do it from my personal Twitter account, like, and you can also follow us. And on then, Trek then, about then, I, show. then I would end up dating George Takei somehow. He's married. That does. Oh yeah. Oh, you're right. You know that makes him a saint. You can't. You know doesn't. Does he not have eyes? I don't think he would date you. He might have sex with you. I don't know. I don't know what he likes. Well, date was in quotes. You know? All right. That's like a hey, honey, you want to date? You know. We will figure all this out by watching the Apple and the Doomsday Machine. Well, get it started, hey, it's time to start, hey, the trek about. What you gonna do with all that dilithium crystals, all that dilithium crystals that's in your trunk?